0: Well, we have today uh, some very challenging passages from the Scripture that call us to a very high level of holiness. And uh, this is this is the essence of Christianity we're looking at here today. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take a little bit, maybe more time than I would normally and kind of uh, expound upon this gospel text because there's a lot here. And this is our Lord's words to us, God incarnate speaking to us. If we heed his words, if we truly hear, if we truly listen, and we truly obey, we will become holy. This is the path of holiness we're looking at. We have a passage from Paul who talks about uh, forgiveness. And uh, this is what makes a Christian stand out in the world, is that he or she forgives his enemies or her enemies and doesn't hold grudges. The person who holds a grudge is not acting like a Christian. Simple as that. We have to forgive others. Jesus died to forgive us of our sins. And Christianity is all about the forgiveness of sins. And if we don't exemplify and demonstrate that same kind of forgiveness that God shows towards us, if we don't show that to other people, we're not reflecting the nature and the goodness and the love of God in the world and we are not behaving as Christians. And then we have Christ's own teaching today. Very, very high standard of holiness. Love your enemies. It's not that we just forgive our enemies, but that we actually positively love them. That we desire what is truly good for them. We desire their eternal happiness. And we desire that from the from the depths of our heart. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who. Who mistreats you? To the uh, person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. What is our Lord speaking about here? In all of these verses that are very challenging and sometimes uh, maybe difficult to interpret, I'm going to be following some uh, just kind of perennial traditional ways of interpreting these texts. Okay, this is not my own judgment about what these texts mean, but I'm following uh, authoritative commentators. So, uh, to the person who strikes you on one cheek off or the other one as well, this does not preclude self-defense. If someone's actually trying to kill you or someone that's, you know, in your vicinity, okay, if someone is trying to kill an innocent bystander or one of your family members, you, uh, you have the duty actually to use force, do the best you can to stop that person from committing that, you know, act of violence or that murder. So this this text here is not precluding self-defense. Uh, what it is precluding is, this is dealing with everyday insults. We receive insults all the time. It's like someone slaps us on a cheek. We receive insults to our dignity and our honor on a daily basis, normally. Um, and so it's it's in light of that kind of attack, if you will, that we need to turn the other cheek and not seek revenge. Um Do to others as you would have them... Okay, give to everyone who asks of you, and from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Now, this line here, from everyone who takes what is yours, do not demand it back, uh, There is there are two levels at which we can uh, approach this sort of issue. There's a level of justice, and then there's a level of something a little higher than the level of justice. We're within our rights to demand our rights and to seek justice. If we've been wronged, even in court of law, we can do that. It's not uh, completely incompatible with Christianity. But what our Lord is doing here is he's given us a counsel, not a commandment, but a counsel. He's asking us to go higher, okay? And he's asking us not to even seek to get um, our just due in court or whatever it might be, but to let it go. That's a higher. We don't, if we, if we fail to do that, we're not sinning. It's not an issue of sin, but it's an issue of it would be better, it would be more virtuous, it would be more Christ-like, it would be more authentically Christian if we were to not seek redress in certain matters in which we're wronged. Now, again, this, a, a question like that, it, it's gonna vary from case to case, okay? So, for example, I remember years ago I counseled a, a guy, you know, there was, um a young man that this this older gentleman was trying to help out, and he would actually loan him a lot of money, and even um, you know really bend over backwards to help this guy out. And the guy had a, an addiction, um, and he needed money, and so you know he actually stole the guy's car. And uh, the question that was put to me was, should he press charges or not? And I said, well, you know, you can do uh, one or two things. You can you can let it go. Uh, but, you know, maybe in this case, if you press charges and he kind of, he, you know, suffered some kind of um, legal action against him, it would actually be maybe more beneficial for him, because sometimes when people receive the consequences of their actions, it can actually help them. Um, it can help them grow in maturity. And so in the case of this young man, actually, I said, it might be better to actually press charges with this guy, because he's kind of a spoiled brat, and this is the way he's been raised, and if he he received some kind of negative consequences for his sin, it actually might help him grow. So in that case, it was probably better to press charges, but that was an act of love, actually, on the part of this old gentleman. But in any event, the the principle still stands that the higher and the more virtuous Christian path, in many cases, not in all cases, but in many cases, is to let yourself actually be wronged. Uh, Did not Christ do the same for us? The terrible sins, the worst sins ever, were the sins committed against Christ. The, the murder of God himself. And he did not fight back. And he did not, you know, plead with God for justice or any of that stuff. But he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Uh, do to others as you would have them do unto you. Um, and then he goes on here. Love your enemies, do good to them. Lend, expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind, to the ungrateful, and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. When it says, lend, expecting nothing back, um, I think our Lord is speaking here about, don't lend, I mean, if you lend money, it's a it's a loan so obviously the internal logic of a loan is that the person's going to pay you back so to expect a payback on a loan is that's perfectly reasonable but when he says don't expect anything back is do not loan out money as if okay with an ulterior motive i'm going to loan this money out Because in the future, I think I'm going to be able to get something out of this person who's then going to be kind of indebted to me. So all of these kinds of ulterior motives by which people of the world operate and do what seem to be favors for one another, when they're really looking for something else and they're looking to use each other, it's this sort of thing that our Lord is speaking against and precluding uh, and then he goes on and here. This would be worth speaking about for a while. Stop judging and you will not be judged. Stop condemning and you will not be condemned. Now, oftentimes this is a verse, uh, probably one of the most misinterpreted verses in the whole Bible, if you will. Stop judging. We have uh, an obligation as rational beings and as Christians to discern in our own lives and to discern in life in general what is right and what is wrong. What's the, what is the proper course of action and what is the, what is an improper course of action? What is ethical and what is not ethical? We have an obligation, by virtue of being rational beings, we have an obligation to try to discern that and to try to live according to what is ethical and to try to shun what is unethical. And so that whole process involves a a rational judgment on our part. And our Lord is not saying, don't do that. If you didn't do that, you would be being irresponsible and stupid. Okay, And so this is not what our Lord is counseling us. Uh, We need to figure out what action is right and what action is wrong so that we can live according to the moral law. What our Lord is speaking about is this. There's two different things, and I, I have spoken about this before. You have the action itself, objectively speaking, is either right or wrong. And then you have the subjective culpability of the moral agent, of the person who's performing that right act or that wrong act. Those are two different things. We need to make a judgment at this level of whether the action itself is right or wrong. But we need to refrain from making a judgment as to whether the person is subjectively guilty of that sin or not guilty that 's where we need to refrain, and that 's the, the the sinful tendency in the human heart is to condemn other people and to set ourselves up as God and to basically in our own minds determine as it were their eternal destiny by by the, what they do Now we can say they did this action a b c d a b C and d is is wrong in my judgment, and i 'm basing my judgment on scripture, on the teaching of the church, on sound uh, rational. Ethical reasoning, and so I can make a judgment at that level. But as far as whether or not they're subjectively guilty, I refrain from making that kind of judgment. I don't know whether or not God holds them guilty or not, and so I'm not there to judge. So there's this difference. We we make a judgment in one and not in another, and this is what our Lord is teaching us: refrain from making a judgment at that sub- level of subjective culpability. And then finally. Um, Give, and gifts will be given to you, a good measure, packed together, shaken down. For the measure with which you measure will, in return, be measured out to you. Now, uh, for the past, I'd say 30, or well, probably more now, 50 years or so, 50 or 60 years in America, uh, there have been various evangelists on television, and uh, they have preached a gospel of, of health and wealth and prosperity. And... Um, it has captured the minds and the hearts of many many Americans and they it's almost like the christianity is a path to material wealth and there's some real excesses in this kind of thinking so it's a, oftentimes these evangelists will teach that it's god's will that everybody is wealthy and unless you're wealthy unless you're filthy wealthy you know somehow you're falling short in faith you don't have enough faith you're not doing god's will in your life you're being cursed by God's sovereign Son. So there's excesses in this uh, style of, of Protestant preaching. But there is a certain truth that every once in a while they touch upon, and that is this. Oftentimes it is the case that God blesses a person's life when they are generous. And I think that's a truth that is preached a lot from different Protestant pulpits, that we Catholics could actually come to appreciate a little bit more. When we are generous with our money, oftentimes, not always, it's not a law, it's not a fixed law that you can, you know, it's not like a machine, you treat God like a machine. If I give a certain amount of money automatically, I'm going to get a certain amount of money back. But oftentimes, in God's government of the world, those who are generous towards the poor, to those who are in need, to, to the church, they are blessed. God Providentially allows them to grow in wealth. And I think we can, uh, we can see our Lord teaching us that truth here in that gospel. So, this, my brothers and sisters, is uh, not an easy set of verses to interpret, but I hope I've helped you out a little bit in this. And, uh, I believe if we, if we take to heart what our Lord is teaching us here, this is the true Christian way. It is the path to Christian holiness.